You're listening to the CEO's Wingwoman podcast. I'm Olivia Jenkins, your host and virtual coach, helping you scale your brand to cult-like status. Since 2019, I've helped over 100 clients generate in excess of 45 million in revenue. And now it's time for me to share my tips, tricks, and strategies to help you supercharge your growth. I'm here to help you step into your power to develop a bulletproof strategy and growth mindset to match. Consider me your secret weapon to scale. Let's get started. Welcome to the CEO's Wing Woman podcast, the ultimate growth mindset podcast for ambitious CEOs wanting to create cult brands. I'm your host, Olivia Jenkins, and today we have a very special guest, Tanya Walsh, the CEO and founder of Vanity, and someone I was honoured to work alongside as general manager from 2016 to 2019. Vanity is an iconic Australian luxury tanning and cosmetics brand and were the global pioneers of natural spray tanning solution in 2004. Quickly rising to cult-like status, Vanity became an international success story with over 15,000 salons in more than 15 countries worldwide. Today, the range has expanded to include award-winning products across spray tanning, self-tanning, makeup, and wellness, and is a celebrity favorite loved by more than 14 million users worldwide. Please welcome Tanya Walsh to the show. Thank you, Olivia. I'm honored to be here. And when you say it like that, it's quite overwhelming to think I've managed to squeeze all that in. It's amazing. You're amazing. And I'm so excited to have you on the show. When I first decided to launch a podcast, I knew that you were one of the first people that I wanted to bring on the show and find out more about your story. I obviously know so much about you and I know so much about the brand from having that close connection working together, but I'm really excited for you to explain a little bit more about Vanity and about your story. So to kick off, can you just give listeners a little bit of an understanding about who you are and also a little bit about Vanity? so they can find out more about the brand. Sure. So I guess my background has been in the beauty industry since I was like 19. So I studied beauty therapy and then I had a beauty college for 10 years. And tanning or spray tanning was only just launched in the US. So it was like an airbrush type application. And I was like really intrigued by that method. So we started training my students with that concept and then quickly found that this product that we we're using was quite toxic. So I wanted to try and find a product that would give a real authentic tan without the nasty. So as natural organic as possible. And that's kind of when the, where the journey started. So I studied cosmetic chemistry and then worked with a formulator that used to work with Jellic to create our first product, which was Liquid Sun, which was the world's first natural organic spray tan solutions. Amazing. It's so wild to think that, you know, today we obviously see tanning in a whole different space, but I'd love for you to explain to listeners what spray tanning was actually like in 2004 with the machines and how different everything was. Can you give a little bit of an explanation so that they can paint a picture on what spray tanning was back then? So I guess when we first started, it was yeah through an airbrush machine. So it would take 45 minutes with you know tiny little circles applied to the body. So not very conducive to you know a quick service. And then the machines, they changed. It's, it's like a spa bath machine that they converted with a, you know, gun on the end and things like that. So improvised to create a much faster method. So hence, you know, it went from 45 minutes to about a five minute application time. It's amazing. So 
you achieved a huge level of success quite early. And I think part of that is being a global pioneer in natural spray tanning. You took to market something that was unheard of because everyone in the market was still using, you know, a chemically based formulation. So that I think is amazing in itself and obviously contributed to the huge amount of success that you saw. But can you explain to listeners a little bit about your success? Because I believe I have it correct in saying it was zero to a million in your first year of business, which back in 2004 is even more incredible. So I'd love for you to explain what happened in that first year. What was that like? What was going through your head when you got to the end of that 12 months and thought, oh my God, we've just made over a million dollars in our first year of business? Yeah, it blew me away actually. I think, like you said, being in the right place at the right time back then, there was no such thing as natural organic products in general you know maybe here and there but it's obviously since then become quite a big trend and I guess first up the growth came from you know we've got sales reps on in each state and people in the US started importing it and then shortly after that we had a a UK distributor approach us so it kind of just blew out very quickly to take the international stage so and this um, was one product right this is just liquid sun spray tan solution at this point yes that's right Amazing. To think one skew could have that much power. Incredible. And when you think back to some of the first things that you did in that 12 months, how much of your time was spent working on the front end of the business? Would you say that you spent a lot more time at that point in sales and marketing and really grassroots sales and marketing strategies? Was there a particular formula that you followed back then in that first year? So in the beginning, it was, you know, I was taking phone calls, orders, I was out on the road, pitching and showing people the products. At that point in time, I was actually making the products in my kitchen and labeling and, you know, printing my labels. So every aspect of the business I was doing myself. And it just kind of grew so quickly that we ended up, you know, getting a warehouse and then hired some staff. I know you very well. And I know we were talking offline about how you are textbook visionary and I'm keen to explore that with you a little bit further as we go on in the episode today but I think that's something that really rings true to me that for startup culture to be a visionary is a massive advantage because you can see where you want to be you can see your destination so clearly and you can really make things happen whereas I believe a lot of the time with integrators they're better at executing the vision and often are better once a business is a little bit more established so I'm really keen to explore that a little bit more with the kids I know that you're a mum can you just explain to listeners how many kids you have and where that happened in your journey as well because I think that's really important to share you juggled the competing responsibilities of mum life and you know having this business that was bigger than Ben-Hur in the first 12 months how many children did you have when you first started the business and, and what happened from there as the kids got a little bit older so I have three, Braden who's 26, Blake is now 19 and Savannah 17. But when I started the business, Blake was six weeks old. So I would have him in a pouch and make the products and, and do all the things that I needed to do in the business. So it was good in the fact that, you know, I didn't need to put him into childcare and, and that type of thing. And then two years later, Savannah came along. So she would come along with me to business meetings and things like that. But yeah, when I left my husband in 2011, I'd kind of spent the first six or seven years really grassroots in the business, you know, hustling and things like that. 
And then all of a sudden I had to also switch and become a full-time mum, whereas before that, you know, my ex-husband would take care of the children so I could focus and, and keep going. But trying to juggle both was extremely hard. I think even just as a parent, I, I can't imagine how difficult it would be having to be two roles in one and the, you know, the role model mum and the role model dad, even that alone is a massive job, but then throw the pressures of business into the mix as well. And I'm sure there would have been a lot of travel because I know that the business has an incredible international exporting partnership set up with lots of different distributors. So I imagine you were doing quite a lot of international travel whilst all of this was going on with the kids as well. Yes. In some cases, I would take them with me. Other times it would be getting a nanny. So there was a lot of guilt and I guess a little bit of resentment against business because it took me away from my children. But I knew that, you know, you have to just keep Keep going, keep going. I don't think I've ever asked you this question, but I was thinking it as you were chatting. At what stage did you think, okay, Vanity has a mind of its own now. I need to do something with the beauty college. What happened with the beauty college? Yeah, within about three or four months, I ended up selling it to one of my students so I could purely focus on on vanity, yeah. So one of the things I wanted to talk about as well, and it sort of leans into the incredible mum that you are, because I think having worked in the business alongside you for several years and getting to know you really, really well, there is something about you that's incredibly warm and nurturing and you just envelope everyone in your motherly love. And I think that one of the things I've always admired about you is the incredible relationships you have with your team, past and current. And I think it's quite rare to have a business owner maintain such incredible lifelong relationships with staff once they've left. And so I wanted to find out from you so you can explain to listeners as well, what is your blueprint? How do you maintain these amazing relationships and not take it personally when people leave the business? And I'm curious to even know, is this something that you've consciously thought yourself before? Are you aware that you have this amazing skill? No, not consciously. I think it's just part of my personality, my makeup. But I mean, I would say you do get affected personally when someone leaves because you grow that relationship with them and I treat everyone like family members and they also treat my business as if it's their own. People that have worked with me over the years have remained really close friends and, you know, I've watched them grow up and have their own children, their own family. You you have to have trust that the people are doing their work and I've always tried to kind of hire people that complement in areas that I perhaps aren't as strong in. And I've never been one of those people that kind of like to micromanage people. I give them that freedom because I know in my heart of hearts that they will do their best. Absolutely. And I I believe that 100% because having been in the business, it was very much a family environment. And I know obviously falling pregnant quite early in the piece, you were so welcoming around having bubs come in from time to time. And I know you taught me a thing or two around getting babies settled. So I think it's just amazing that you've had these types of relationships with everyone in the business and and have maintained such an amazing relationship after they've gone on to other things, whether that's into their own businesses or into other roles. And I think that's that's really incredible. When you think about your day-to-day life in the business, I'm curious to know, when you go to work every day and you think about, you know, what's in store for you for the rest of the day or the rest of the week or even the rest of the month, are there certain themes or things that are important to you when you think about business? 
obviously the the work culture delivering products to clients that are of a much higher value and quality and something that makes them feel good look good you know and also good for them Absolutely. I'm glad I asked you that question because what that was is it's a value solicitation question that I learned in NLP. And it was really interesting because coming off the back of the conversation we just had about team, the first thing that you said to me was a positive team culture. So that is essentially one of the biggest values I assume in the business as well is your team and creating a positive team environment, but also creating products that are high performance and high quality as well, which I know is something that you really enjoy being a visionary. And it's probably a good time to go into that. So for listeners who are listening to this episode now, if you haven't read the book Rocket Fuel, go and listen to Rocket Fuel. It's an incredible book and it basically profiles business owners into two categories, either a visionary or an integrator. And visionaries generally are very big picture people and thinkers. They often can solve problems. They're very good at coming up with the vision and where the destination is. They're very good with product development a lot of the time as well, because when you're solving problems for consumers, you're either creating a service to solve that problem or you're creating a product. But taking it back to you, Tanya, What does it mean for you to be a visionary? When I'm talking through those characteristics, does that ring true for you? And how do you identify as a business owner? I always feel like I've had this gift where I can see trends coming way before they actually impact the market. And I just have the vision looking forward as to where I've always wanted vanity to be. And when, you know, you achieve those goals, it's like a, a pat on the back for all the hard work and all the struggles that you've gone through when you see something come to fruition or, you know, even getting things like testimonials or private messages from clients saying, you know, your, your product's amazing, it's changed my life. Those kind of things is what gets me out of bed in the morning. Absolutely. I'm really curious to explore the product development side as well, because so far we've explained, you know, Liquid Sun had this incredible success really early in the piece, zero to one million in sales in the first year, just from that one product alone. We obviously have in the range many more products that sit within spray tanning, self-tanning, makeup, and now wellness. What was the journey of adding these new products in? And when you say you can see the trends coming and you have these gut feelings about trends, is that what happened just before you launched some of these products as well? And is that how you were sort of drawn to know, okay, you know, had great success with Liquid Sun, but now it's time to introduce something else. How did all of that unfold? Well, initially, I guess it was just bringing out complementary products that would go with the tan. And I think I, I tried to think of what, I would like as a as a client or you know solving problems that I would have and that generally is where the ideas come from I mean I chose the name vanity for the business because I knew I wasn't just tanning that I was going to launch I wanted to do anything to do with beauty so as you said you know now we do the makeup the wellness and we're about to launch um, a whole new category also within the beauty space okay and after liquid sun was launched what was the next product that came after liquid sun Liquid Sun was then the complementary body products and then we launched Velocity and Makeup. We kind of extended that range right out and obviously when you were with me, we condensed that whole range and then rebranded and all that kind of stuff. For listeners, the Mineral Makeup collection that was launched, when was Mineral Makeup launched? What year would that have been? 2005. 
Amazing. So it was quite quite early in the piece then. I didn't realize it was that early. Yes. And so with mineral makeup products, and I think this is testament to one of your core values being all about quality and product performance, these products were incredible in terms of highly pigmented, would last such a long time because they were so highly pigmented. And I think that was one of the challenges to overcome as a business. But the, the products were absolutely incredible and there was such a vast collection as well, even down to singular pots of eyeshadows that could really support professional makeup artists as well because there were a lot of makeup artists using the products and even the airbrush makeup as well. I'd love for you to explain a little bit about that because that, again, is relatively unknown and is probably one of those trends that you saw quite early in the piece that you wanted to take to market. Yeah, it was one of those things that I saw straight off the mark would, would would really do well. But the main thing with the airbrush makeup, as much as it was a beautiful product, it was the whole dangerous goods and, you know, transportation and just made it far too hard. It's probably a good time to lean into that because, you know, you've had incredible success in the first year. You've been, you know, at this point taking lots of different products to market and seeing more success with the expansion into self-tanning and then into mineral makeup. And, you know, I'm sure over the almost 20 years in business, because you'll be celebrating your 20th business birthday next year, which is incredible. Congratulations. I'm sure in that time frame, there's also been challenges along the way. When you look back on your journey, what do you feel comfortable sharing in terms of your challenges? What things have you faced along the way that have really challenged you physically, mentally, spiritually in the business that you've had to find your way through? Every day there's something little that you, you know, have to put fires out, etc. But the first thing was when I left my husband and had to take care of the children as well. And then I was approached by somebody who offered to take management of the business for a six-month period or so just to help me transition my children a bit. So I allowed him to run the business whilst I did that. And then I remember it vividly, he came to me and just said, Tanya, we're in trouble. And I was like, what do you mean? He said he'd spent a lot of money launching into the US and I gave him that flexibility to do that. And he came back and just said, look, we're $900,000 in debt. I don't know what we're going to do. We either have to put the business into administration or look at shareholders or, you know, something like that. And of course, that was a huge shock to me and kind of put me into spin because I didn't know what, what action to take. I decided to take on shareholders, which was a very difficult time. I guess there was a lot of, you know, wanting to change vanity and it felt like they were taking my child and, you know, dressing it differently and teaching it all these different things. And it was a six-year period of mental and emotional exhaustion, I guess. I just, I wanted out and anyone who owns a business, it's a very hard decision to kind of pull back from something they've created. But I just had had enough. I just didn't want to be part of it anymore. But I was kind of locked into a corner where I I couldn't. Luckily, over the years, the business had improved and I'd gotten myself into a financial position where I was able to buy those investors out. So now I just have the one investor who I work with really closely. And yeah, he has been a godsend during those times because otherwise I I don't know where I would be right now. An amazing story. I obviously know it well, having you know lived in the business for three, three and a half years. I just think it's absolutely incredible some of the challenges that you faced along the way and being able to get through them. 
I can't fathom going through a divorce, taking on the ownership of being the primary caregiver for your children, your mum and dad, and you get pulled into an office from someone that you really trust in the business and have a conversation like that. It must have been a huge shock and then an incredibly difficult pill to swallow from there. And I think that as women, I don't want to generalize, but a lot of the time as women, if we're not across the financial side of the business and we're not checking in on the financials every month and being a real part of that process, we are very susceptible to either being taken advantage of, you know, whether there's as good intent or bad intent, we're taken advantage of and we're ultimately the ones that are financially responsible a lot of the time to pick up those pieces. So, it's a really good reminder. If you're listening to this right now, really remember that you need to be looking at your financials every single month without fail. And if you don't feel comfortable, you know, reading your financial statements or you don't know how to read your financial statements, find someone that you trust that can give you that support and give you that grounding because it's the best thing that you ever do to empower yourself with that responsibility and that discipline every month. And I know with you, obviously, you know, this is a slightly different story because you were going through a divorce and a separation at that time. And as I remember it, it was very much positioned as, you know, you take time off and you take six months to be with your family. And again, whether there was good intent or bad intent behind that, you'll probably never know. But ultimately, you probably thought, amazing, you know, I can just take a step back, be with my family and focus on on my family and getting things back together again not realizing what was going on right underneath your nose. You know, as much as you trust women positions, you still have the innate responsibility to, you know, keep an eye on those sorts of things. So it's something that I do religiously now, keep your finger on the pulse. You have to have, you know, obviously I love the product development out of things, but it's so important to have your finger across everything. The top level things about marketing, the top level things to know about regulatory things. So you've got to have a vast knowledge to be able to understand what's going on in every single aspect of your business. A hundred percent. And I say this to clients quite often. I think a lot of business owners feel like they have to be an expert at everything. You don't necessarily have to be an expert in everything, but I always say you have to know what good and bad looks like because if you don't know what good and bad looks like, then you can be taken advantage of because you could be presented with results or you could review results. And if you don't know if they're good or bad and you just see numbers on a page, you're not going to be able to make any decision from there as to whether things are on track or off track. Yeah, you you have to have your finger on the pulse. So other than the challenges that you went through at that time, What was your North Star? What was your guiding light during that time? And how did you get through those six years? I guess when I was put into a position where I knew that I couldn't get out, that I had to just forge forward. And in retrospect, looking back now, it's probably the best thing that ever happened to me. That period, whilst it was, you know, very emotionally stressful at the time, I look back now and I see that it gave me a strength that I never knew I had. It was through that trauma that that kind of roughened me up to be much stronger in in the business. 
That's such an amazing way to frame it as well. And I think there's so much power in that when you're not looking at a situation and being on the effect side of the equation. So in cause and effect, being at cause means that you're not blaming external factors. You're looking at your involvement in the situation and what things you can control and you're being at cause and you're taking any of those learnings that you've had in a difficult situation with you moving forward. And I think just understanding that one principle of cause and effect, which I know you understand and obviously have displayed in this situation, that can change your whole life. If you are the type of person where you often have blamed others or blamed situations or placed the blame externally anywhere outside of self, to have the realization that we do as individuals have a lot more power and control than sometimes we allow ourselves to have is an incredible realization and so, so powerful. And it sounds like you were, you know, essentially backed into a corner. You knew that you couldn't go. You didn't have any other option except to move forward. Because again, as a parent and someone who was supporting three children, I'm sure you were thinking at that time as well, if it's to be, it's up to me. I have to do this. Yeah. And saying that I was put into a position, it's not necessarily I was put into position. I allowed myself to be put into position because I should have looked at my financials, known exactly, you know, it doesn't take long to run your eyes over your profit and loss to see where, where things are standing. So that was my fault, but it was a very big lesson. That's so incredible that you've had those realizations and you're now able to bring that forward. Obviously, six years went by. You have now got one major shareholder, one shareholder that you align with in the business that you're able to work with really comfortably. What's happened since then? How has the journey changed since the shareholders have moved out and you've obviously stepped into this new chapter? And I'm interested to explore as well with the pandemic and everything that happened around that time. What happened for you in the business during those years where we saw this e-com explosion happen whilst all of the bricks and mortar shopping was closed down? Well, just going back to, you know, kind of what happened initially when when I bought them out, it was kind of getting everything back in order again. And that's obviously when you came on board and there was so much to work through. There was the rebrand, there was change rationalization. So that was huge. And, you know, you were a part of that and what was involved. And then we kind of got the business into a really strong financial position again. And then COVID hit. That would have been just before COVID hit because to give a little bit of context to this for listeners, 2016 to mid-2019 was my general management era at Vanity. And as Tanya was saying, we did a number of different things over that time, including a range rationalization, a rebrand from the original branding to the current branding in one way, shape or another. And obviously made some changes as well with the strategy because when I came on board in 2016, the business was very much B2B at that time. And I know, Tanya, one of the big requests from you when I came on board was to really expand the B2C side of the business and to get on the bandwagon because we definitely were a little bit late to market with moving online. Obviously, the business has caught up now, but that was a really big priority for us, wasn't it, back then to get the rebrand done, range rationalize, but then also get going on the B2C side. Yeah, and that took off very quickly. There was a lot of effort, especially on your part, you know, getting the direct consumer up and running and now it's the strongest part of business. We had a lot of fun doing it. It was blood, sweat and tears, but I often say this as well and I've said it many times to clients and just to other people in my network when we've been talking about, you know, whether it's a transformational business case or whether it's a startup or anything else, building a brand or rebuilding a brand 
takes three years, three to five years minimum. It's not an overnight journey. And I think I said this to you many times as well during the process that we really have to stick to our guns. Even when you feel like you might be spinning your wheels and nothing's happening, it is happening, but it's just one of those situations. It's like building a house. You build one brick at a time. You can't go from, you know, one layer of bricks immediately to decorating the house. That process takes time and it is a journey. So I know you understand what I mean when I say it was blood, sweat and tears because you were, you were there as well. But for, you know, listeners that maybe are in a situation where they're either doing a rebuild and they might identify with being in a situation that you were once in and they're having to rebuild the brand or they've got a startup brand and they're building from scratch. What's your advice to them on how to remain resilient and keep going? What do you put it down to? Well, I think, you know, the rebuild or starting, it's, it's really important to build those foundations. And anyone who's going to succeed in life or in business, there has to be that tenacity. There has to be a resilience. You know, I've found things like meditation and that has really helped me get through any tough times. But just at the 11th hour when you're ready to give up, if you just push through, it's happened time and time and time again for me over the 20 years and just proves to me that you just have to keep going. You have to keep pushing through. 100%. Spoken like the true visionary that you are, by the way. But I agree. And I think this is why every business needs a visionary. And if you are the visionary in your business, you need to fully embrace that and be that. Because if you're not driving the vision of the business, there's no one in the business that can replace a visionary. You are the lifeblood. So I think really remaining true to that character and that value that you add. And I know, you know, when I think about you, In your business, I think about someone who is the inspiration and the motivation to the team generally because you're just a real-life walking earth angel. But then beyond that, you've got so much passion. I still remember you coming into the office and being like, oh, I've been up since 3 a.m. because I had this brainwave idea and I just had to research all night to find out more about this ingredient or this technology. It happens consistently. (laughs) And I think that's so incredible though, because if you weren't doing those things and you weren't having all of these brainwave ideas about trends, about ingredients, about technology, then you wouldn't be able to bring all these amazing products to life and to take them to market for your amazing and loyal community to enjoy, but also to set the pace as well for other brands in the industry. I just have over the years learned to trust what my gut tells me because it's always right. And even when other people have said, oh, I don't think that will work, it always comes in and proves to me that I've done the right thing. I think as well for you, what's amazing is you are a diehard tanner. Like hmm. Of all the people I've ever met that love tanning, you are religiously tanned. And I think I can remember one year, I can't recall exactly where we were traveling. It was myself, you and Donna, your beautiful sister, and we were joking and had said to you, Tanya, we'll shout you an interstate trip, flights, accommodation, everything paid for, but you can't spray tan for two weeks. Do you remember that? Oh, I think it was one month, which was even was it worse. One month? And <laughs> it was I'm just totally flat out. I still remember it to this day, and I chuckle to myself every now and then when I think of it. You just love tanning, and I think this is so important because there's no one closer to your brand than you. You use the products religiously, you tan religiously. So for you, you really understand the problems that the consumer is facing because you're right there with them. And I think that's also another reason why you've been able to take so many amazing products to market over the years. 
when you think about just changing pace now and, and thinking about your most incredible achievements, if you had to narrow down to three most proud moments for you over your journey so far, your 19 years in the vanity business, what three moments really stand out to you? The first one would, would probably be when we hit the milestone within that first 12 months, reaching a million dollars in sales. That was like a, it just blew me away. Like, a, you know, we were working really hard and then just to see those figures, it was a pinch me moment for sure. The second one would have to be, I remember vividly getting a phone call from Kylie Minogue's personal stylist. And, you know, I was a huge fan of her when I was a teenager. And she said that she'd used our products on her and that Kylie wants us to send some product. I was like, very excited about that. So that was another defining moment. And the third, look, I, I get little glimpses all the time, just, you know, heartfelt emails from clients, like receiving the feedback would have to be the best pat on the back, the best reward that, you know, I could ever receive. So they would be my three big ones. And I'm sure there's been so many. That's why I framed it with, I'm sure this is going to be so hard to to choose because even in my era, we had so much fun. It was just, you know, one of the best seasons of my life being at Vanity and being in the business with everyone. So I, I can imagine it would be hard to narrow down to three. With number two, though, speaking about Kylie Minogue, it's just reminded me about the celebrity aspect of the brand. And I think this is really interesting because a lot of people may not realize that the brand has had lots of celebrity following over the years and different celebs, different news presenters. Can you explain to listeners just a little bit more around the celebrity aspect and how you've built these relationships as well with lots of incredible makeup artists and TV presenters? So we work with a lot of people like around the world who use our product and then they spray tan stars. You know, we were the official tan for Channel 9 on a lot of TV shows like Dancing with the Stars, Love Island, you name it. But the, the biggest thing I think is, especially in the US, we have a lot of celebrities that purchase our product online, then they pay normal price for it. So that's a really good endorsement. We have never bought a celebrity's following or love for our brand. They've either used it through a stylist or heard about it and then purchased it themselves. So I think that's probably one of the biggest things along with the awards and things like that that we've also won. Amazing. Okay. So to wrap things up, thank you so much for being on the show. I, I want to leave listeners with a little golden nugget from you or tips can you share that you've learned over your journey in all of the challenges that you face, all of the wins that you've succeeded with, what would you say is your message that you want to share to other business owners? Definitely trust your gut instinct. It never proves you wrong. Follow your heart, follow your passion. I think if you can do something that you love, it's never work and money always flows along with that passion. And the other thing I'd probably say is no matter what you're facing, just remember the universe has your back. You always get through it, even as hard as it is at the time. You've just got to push through. When you think about the next 12 months, what's what's on the cards for Vanity? What's coming up in this next 12 months? Are you working on anyth anything exciting? I think you mentioned before you've got a new range coming out. Got a new range coming out. We're launching in about a week's time a new hair care range, which is predominantly focused on hair growth and hair health, so lots of innovative ingredients in that. And it's probably the entire team's most favourite product launch to date. They're all like madly in love with it. So we're super excited about that. 
And we're also about to launch our complete rebrand. So, you know, that was back in 2017. I did one with you. So we've done a complete new rebrand. It's very fresh and chic and super excited about that. So exciting. I can't wait to see. I haven't seen any sneak peeks of hair care. So I'm very excited. All the rebrand. So I'm very excited to see what you're going to unveil in the next week or so. For listeners that want to go and check out Vanity, highly recommend. My personal favorite product is the Velocity Spray Tan. I have trained my husband, George, bless him, to give me a spray tan with the machine that I bought when I was at Vanity. And I absolutely swear by the Vanity Velocity Spray Tanning Solution. So definitely check that out. The other product that I love is, of course, the powder foundation, which you could say is quite possibly the holy grail in that range. So they're my two picks if you want to go and suss out the range. You can check out Vanity products by heading to www.vanity.com and that is spelt V-A-N-I-T.com and you can go and check out all of their amazing products there. Find out a little bit more about Tanya's story and all of the amazing products that they have available. Thank you so, so much again for being on the show, for being open and vulnerable in sharing some of the challenges that you face in your journey. I'm so excited for this episode to air and for so many business owners to benefit from the messages that you have to share from all of the things that you faced in your business journey. So thank you again. And I can't wait to catch up with you soon. Absolute pleasure and honor to be sharing this with you. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. If you love today's show, be sure to let me know by leaving a five-star review. You can also connect with me via Instagram at oliviajenkins.co or learn more on how we can work together at www.oliviajenkins.co. Have an amazing week and I can't wait to connect with you in the next episode.